Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Monday, January 23rd, and we start with local news. Three people were killed in a multi-vehicle crash in Spring Hill early Friday morning. The crash happened around 6.15 a.m. on Friday, January 20th in the 5,000 block of Main Street and Highway 31 near Spring Hill High School, just south of Saturn Parkway. Spring Hill police reported three people lost their lives in the crash, which involved two vehicles. Authorities identified the victims as Linda Joyce Horton and David Horton of Spring Hill, as well as Crystal McPherson, who was originally from Arizona, but currently lived in Columbia. The incident caused both north and southbound sides of the road to be temporarily closed. The northbound side reopened about 7.10 a.m., while the rest of the roadway reopened about 9.45. When Katie Moon, a Columbia resident, got the call to head to Los Angeles to appear as a contestant on Wheel of Fortune a few months ago, she had almost put her January 2021 application totally out of mind. I had been practicing and watching all the shows I could, Moon said. As the year went on, I kind of just stopped and thought they'd forgot about me, she said. Moon's mother had also enjoyed the show and submitted an application decades ago to appear as a contestant. It turned out to be a family full-circle type of spin. When I was six months old, my mom flew me out to California, Moon said. She auditioned back when they did all auditions in person. She tried out and did well, but ultimately didn't make it on the show. But she was so happy for me and thought it was so cool. Following an audition, she soon found correspondence from her application that she had been selected last fall. A follow-up email and a notice to be ready within a two-week time frame, and she soon found herself on a flight out west to meet Pat and Vanna. If you get the call, be ready, Moon said, then filming on location in September. The episode aired as a special Disney Christmas episode on December 5th, a part of the network's Secret Santa kickoff, and Moon pulled in $7,500 in winnings. It was such a whirlwind, Moon said. The way the show works is they tape five shows in one day. The show production itself was a 12-plus hour process, she said, which included getting to see the Jeopardy set. Criteria for being ex- for accepted contestants, Moon said, include someone who can perform well under pressure, anyone who can who might have a charismatic personality, and who speaks in a clear and concise fo- voice for the viewers. There are a lot of cool things we did on tape day, Moon said. Vanna White is just as sweet in person as she appears on camera. Moon said longtime host of the show, Pat Sajak, was just as nice and made everyone feel welcome and at ease. He would come over and talk to us between takes and say, You're doing great. Keep it up, Moon said. He was very encouraging. Moon said while she was visiting that with the show entering its 40th season, Sajak could be close to retirement, though that was not a definite confirmation. As for her L.A. trip, it was so cool, but I was ready for home by the end of it, Moon said, who traveled with her husband Chris and got to visit Santa Monica Beach on her way home. Moon gives her suggestion to apply if anyone is interested. They are always encouraging applications, she said. Be sure to keep it clear and concise and give some interesting details about yourself, Moon said. Prospective contestants can fill out the application to audition at wheeloffortune.com. The show appears on ABC, NBC, and CBS. 
Among the folks with whom Connor Butt celebrated his Division II Boys Bowling Tournament State Championship last Wednesday was one likely unrecognizable to many of the Columbia Academy faithful. After defeating Christian Brothers freshman Cole Frazier 203-188 in the last match of the six-man ladder finals at the Smyrna Bowling Center, the Bulldog senior sought out Harding Academy minister and coach Glenda Cleves to offer his thanks to her. Last year, in the first round up here, I was struggling pretty hard, Butt recalled. Even though she was from a different school, she told me to calm down and get out of my head. It was incredible to hear that from someone else, and it stayed with me, he said. After placing 20th in the 24 bowler field a year ago, Butt climbed all the way to the top this time. Entering the tournament with the third-best qualifying pinfall total, that was the spot he held in the finals before defeating Friendship Christian's Brody West, Pope Preps, Zane Collins, and Frazier to claim the first bowling state title in Columbia Academy's history. That's what encouragement does, especially from somebody you don't even know, Bud said. It meant a lot to be able to recognize her today. Cleves admitted she doesn't recall the conversation, but was pleased to have had a positive impact with her support. He just said, I want to thank you, she said. He he kept that with him, and I love that. We don't know how far our words can take others, she said. But but rolled a 248 to open the semifinal round and posted a six-game average of 203.5 to advance, along with CA teammate Foster Eisenberg, who averaged 192.3 for the final spot in the ladder finals. I knew both those guys could climb the ladder and make it happen, Bulldogs coach Derek Ransom said. Connor battled all day and stayed steady all day. Foster came down to the last shot in his match, and the other guy just executed, he said. Eisenberg, also a senior, was eliminated in the first ladder match by St. Benedict's Benjamin Miller in a 166-163 outcome. Miller then fell to West before Butt won his opener, 195-184. to Columbia's own collegiate softball doubleheader, the Mid-State Classic, is back for the seventh year on March 15th at Ridley Sports Complex, one of the top recreational complexes in the state. The annual Classic is hosted by the City of Columbia. This year's Mid-State Classic will feature the University of Tennessee Lady Volunteers facing facing off against the Austin Peay State University Governors at 5.30 p.m. The opening game will be Columbia State Community College versus Montlow Community College beginning earlier in the day at 1 p.m., Tickets are $10 each and will be sold exclusively online at www.columbiatn.com forward slash midstate classic. There will be no tickets sold at the gate. There will be food trucks on site, parking is free, and coolers and lawn chairs are prohibited in the park. I am so excited about this year's midstate classic between the Tennessee Lady Vols and Austin Peay State University Govs, said Columbia Mayor Chaz Mulder. Once again, Columbia serves as the host site for one of the most highly attended softball games in the state. And once again, Ridley Sports Complex will serve as a showcase venue for this event. Most of all, I am proud of our team at the Parks and Recreation Department for their good work in putting on this event every year and helping our youth, in in particular young girls in our community, see firsthand a collegiate sport being played in our community at a very high level, he said. For more information regarding the tournament and ticket sales, you can call 931-388-8119 or visit www.columbiatn.com forward slash midstate classic.
Join Murray Alliance on January 31st at 5 p.m. for their most anticipated event of the year as they celebrate their 2022 accomplishments and recognize the transition of their volunteer leadership. This will be a lively night of entertainment and networking celebrating business and industry in Murray County with dinner and beverages by Puckets and live music featuring Austin Tyler Jones. In addition to their normal programming, they're excited to use this year's event as an opportunity to unveil a brand new, uniquely branded talent attraction campaign for Murray County, which will you will not want to miss. Purchase tickets now to guarantee a seat at Murray Alliance's biggest event of the year. Visit www.murrayalliance.com for more information and for tickets. Columbia State Community College will host virtual freshman and dual enrollment information sessions through the month of May. These info sessions are a great opportunity for incoming and prospective students to learn about the benefits of attending Columbia State regarding scholarships, degree pathways, and transferability, said Samuel Day, Columbia State enrollment recruiter. Dual enrollment is also discussed in depth and is an amazing opportunity for high school students to earn college credit before formally entering higher education, he said. The information sessions are designed for high school juniors and seniors and parents and guardians interested in learning more about dual enrollment classes or attending Columbia State. The information session will cover the dual enrollment grant, which provides high school students the opportunity to take up to five dual enrollment courses tuition free. In addition, participants can learn more about Tennessee Promise, which allows graduating high school and homeschool seniors the opportunity to earn a degree or certificate from a community or technical college tuition-free. The first session will take place on January 24th from 6 to 7 p.m. For more information, contact Samuel Day at 615-790-4409 or by email at sday3 at columbiastate.edu. Join Murray Alliance on Tuesday, January 24th at 11.30 a.m. for their annual education lunch, how CTE programs and community partnerships are preparing tomorrow's workforce in Murray County. During this year's event, Murray Alliance President Will Evans will lead a panel discussion with representatives from Murray County Public Schools and Columbia State Community College. They will discuss career and technical education, or CTE, programs, existing partnerships between public school system, Columbia State, and local industries, future growth opportunities, and more. Panelists include Dr. Janet F. Smith, president of Columbia State Community College, Lisa Ventura, Murray County School Superintendent, Keith Stacy, assistant superintendent of instruction, Amy Roberts, Murray County Public Schools CTE supervisor, Terry Thornton, Murray County Public Schools CTE workforce development and career coach, Melody Murphy, the Director of Workforce and Continuing Education at Columbia State Community College, and Marin Mostajir, Director of Engineering Systems Technology at Columbia State Community College. For more information on the lunch, visit www.murrayalliance.com. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Betty Lou Wilkes Allred, 96, a retired employee of Murray Manufacturing and Murray Regional Medical Center, died Thursday, January 19th at Murray Regional Medical Center. Funeral services will be conducted on Monday today at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home with Bob Rush officiating. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. 
Mrs. Betty Dean Kelly Mash, 86, retired waitress, died Thursday, January 19th at Williamson Medical Center. Funeral services will be conducted on Tuesday at 2 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Polk Memorial Gardens. The family will visit with friends on Tuesday from 12 noon till the time of service at the funeral home. Mrs. Mary Lorraine Gifford Paul, 89, a resident of Columbia, died Saturday, January 21st at Murray Regional Medical Center. Funeral services for Mrs. Paul will be conducted on Wednesday at 11 a.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Burial will follow in Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Tuesday from 4 to 8 p.m. at the funeral home. Mr. Elmer Dwayne E.D. Brewer, 78, a resident of Murfreesboro, Tennessee, died Monday, December 19th in his home. A memorial service will be conducted on Saturday, January 28th at 12 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Inurnment will follow at Rose Hill Cemetery. The family will visit with friends on Saturday from 10 a.m. until service time at the funeral home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness, and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we'll have cloudy weather today with peaks of sunshine expected late in the day. The high will reach 46 degrees with winds out of the west-northwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, we can expect a few passing clouds. Low, The low will be around 25 degrees with light and variable winds. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. 
For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. This is Chris Dowdy from Tennessee Children's Home. We are overwhelmed by the support through our move to our new Spring Hill campus. We are excited about the new opportunities that these buildings will provide us to serve at-risk youth. We ask that you will continue to pray for us and those that we serve. We still need your continued support. Visit our website, tennesseechildrenshome.org, to make a donation or learn more about what we're doing to serve at-risk youth in Tennessee. For the love of the climb. For the love of the fall. For the love of knowing your kids' laughter is the sweetest music there is. For the love of Tennessee. Travel safe. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm your host, Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Governor Bill Lee launched his second term on Saturday, reflecting on four years of hardship, both public and private, while looking forward to his second term with great hope as he plans to prioritize infrastructure and child welfare issues in Tennessee. Chief Justice Roger A. Page of the Tennessee Supreme Court administered the oath of office to Lee, swearing him in as the 50th governor of the volunteer state. First Lady Maria Lee, who was diagnosed with lymphoma last year, stood by the governor's side. While Maria and I are in a time of struggle, we know that we are not alone in these hardships, Lee said in his inauguration address. In fact, the last four years have brought unexpected challenges to many of us in this state. Floods, wildfires, a pandemic, tornadoes, even a bombing on Christmas morning. In addition to personal challenges you could be facing right now that your fellow Tennesseans don't even know about. It doesn't take away the tragedy, difficult or fear, but in times of struggle, we can find great hope, he said. 
Lee was sworn in under chilly skies uh, and sunny skies, a welcome departure from his first inaugural address that was forced indoors due to significant rain. More than 1,500 people were slated to attend the governor's inauguration at Legislative Plaza in downtown Nashville. Lee's Christian faith was a through line of Saturday's morning activities, which began with a worship service at the Ryman Auditorium. Lee devoted a large portion of his speech to a biblical parable with, from Matthew, where a man goes on a long journey and entrusts his wealth to three servants for safekeeping. Lee described two of the men as good stewards who doubled the man's wealth by the time of his return. The third servant, afraid of losing the money, buried it for safekeeping. Because of his fear of failure, he multiplied for no one, Lee said. May that never be me or you, he said. The governor connected the Matthew parable to fiscal responsibility and stewardship of Tennessee in his speech. It's an issue he has continually drawn sharp criticism on from Democrats and family advocates in the state. For years, Republican policy has been to stockpile state funds to cushion robust state coffers, which critics have argued are prioritized over needy families in the state. You and I and this state have been entrusted with treasures, not meant to be buried, not but to be spent on helping our fellow man, Lee said. We should recognize our treasures, celebrate our accomplishments, and be challenged by what lies ahead. May we together, each one of us, consider the other and how we may use our lives to multiply in theirs, he said. Senate Democrats on Saturday called for increased access to affordable health care, housing, and child care in Lee's second term. We want to lead the nation in lifting up children and working families. We want to lead the nation in defeating poverty and creating opportunity. We want to lead the nation in seeking justice for all Tennesseans. Senator London Lamar, chairwoman of the Senate Democratic Caucus, said in a statement, There's so much we can achieve when we work together and focus on solutions to the problems that are plaguing working and middle-class families instead of ideological agendas. Education issues and the coronavirus pandemic largely defined Lee's first term. The governor helped pass legislation that allowed school vouchers, strengthened charter schools, and changed the state's public education funding formula. We overhauled the way we fund public schools for the first time in 30 years, which means instead of an old and broken system, a million Tennessee children are now funded based on their own individual needs, Lee said on Saturday. Lee only briefly mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic in a speech and spent more time reflecting on the natural disasters and the Nashville bombing over the last four years. The governor took time to recognize the Waverly community, which was devastated by catastrophic flooding in 2021, citing his visits shortly after the flooding and again a year later as the community rebuilt. We also recognize the remarkable transformation that occurred in that community over the past year, Lee said. It was a stark picture of redemption and hope. Quite frankly, it's a picture of Tennessee since our founding. It's a reminder once again that in this life there are only a few things that really matter, and Maria and I want our lives to be about those things, he said. Lee on Saturday also cited increased workforce development in rural Tennessee as a hallmark of his first term, praising what he called the fastest-growing economy in the U.S. As much as Lee reflected on his first four years in office, he also looked ahead to his final term. Lee has touted infrastructure as a top priority in his second term and has already introduced a plan to study the feasibility of toll lanes, or as his administration called them, choice lanes. We need a transportation strategy and an energy strategy designed for one of the fastest growing states in America, Lee said. 
Lee is also likely to continue to butt heads with lawmakers over critical justice, criminal rather, justice reform. House Speaker Cameron Sexton and Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally led the charge to walk back several of Lee's criminal justice reforms last year and have pushed new legislation to strengthen sentencing around certain violent crimes. The issue is expected to play a major role in this year's legislative session. Long-standing issues at the Department of Children's Services have boiled over in recent months, with Lee replacing the department head last fall and pledging to address the ongoing crisis. Low worker pay, a critical shortage of foster parents, and a DCS computer system that requires an expensive overhaul rank among the top concerns cited by DCS. Legislative Democrats, among other critics, have argued Tennessee's historic reticence to proactively fund state services had led, has led to the current crisis. We need to protect children in our custody and in our state with a better foster care and adoption process, Lee said on Saturday. Still, Lee circled back to fiscal responsibility in his speech. We need to do these things and many more, but we can never abandon the standard of fiscal responsibility that makes our success possible, Lee said. We have been given much, and I believe that we have, together, responded to these gifts. But much is expected, he said. The day's celebrations capped a remarkable rise in Republican politics for Lee, who trailed significantly more experienced pack of candidates in the pri- party's primary race for governor just five years ago. In a bruising and expensive first primary, Lee rose above a fray of negative advertising that wore down his opponent's leads. The former businessman and chairman of the Lee Company aided his campaign with a personal $5 million investment. Lee ran unopposed in this year's Republican primary and defeated Democrat Dr. Jason Martin in the November general election, winning nearly 65% of the vote. The governor's reluctance to engage in political mudslinging extended to his speech on Saturday, where he cited bipartisan work with both the Trump and Biden administrations, in addition to calling for increased civility in public discourse. We can disagree and stand firm for our beliefs and our principles, but we should never forget the dignity of the other human being, Lee said. We should never believe differences are a platform for demonization or that one man has any greater value than another. Civility is not a weakness. In fact, it has been and should always be the American way. And I know it can be the way in Tennessee, he said. This will be Lee's final term as governor as state law prevents him from serving a third, Lee's term limit status is likely to play a significant factor in the second term, as speculation on the governor's potential next political move ramps up and other politicians look to position themselves for a gubernatorial run in 2026. Lee also faces an increasingly powerful General Assembly, with a Republican supermajority unafraid to challenge the governor on certain issues, such as criminal justice reform. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville has unveiled its newest online exhibition, Night Train to Nashville, Music City Rhythm and Blues 1945-1970, which is available to access for free on the museum's website. The multimedia exhibit explores the significant story of Nashville's vibrant and pioneering R&B scene and its important role in helping the city to become the world-renowned music center. Made possible by a major grant awarded from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the online exhibit revisits, updates, and preserves the museum's award-winning physical exhibit of the same name, which was featured in its 5,000-square-foot temporary gallery space nearly 20 years ago, from March of 2004 to December of 2005. Night Train to Nashville explores Nashville's R&B activity in the decades following World War II. As Nashville's country music industry was just getting started, the city was also a hotbed for R&B in the late 40s, 50s, and 60s, with celebrated performers like Country Music Hall of Fame member Ray Charles, Arthur Alexander, Ruth Brown, Jimi Hendrix, Etta James, and Little Richard, and many, many more. The multimedia exhibit showcases a vast array of historic photos, performance videos, and audio recordings, as well as instruments, show posters, stageware, and other rare items featured in the original exhibit. You can learn more by visiting www.countrymusichalloffame.org. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOMWKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.